and welcome to Mum in It, the podcast where we chat all things parenthood. I'm Harriet Shearsmith and I am indeed mumming it with my three kids, but I want to find out how other parents are navigating their parenthood and what that looks like. This season, we're talking parenting through a pandemic. And don't forget, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests for their parenting hack. Smallest things that will make the biggest difference. And if you're a fan of hacks and life tips, don't forget to check out my book, Mumming It, which is available to order now. I've got with me today Jeff from The Only Girl in the House. We've known each other for ages, haven't we, actually? It was an event, wasn't it, where we met? We did. We went to, um, it was very, very flash at the Ned Hotel on like a top floor somewhere. I'm yeah. pretty sure they sent the invitation to the wrong person when they invited me. But yes, that was where we first met, chatted, hugged, drank yeah. port. I remember drinking port. I remember <laughs> you being sat next to me, turning to me and going, what are you drinking? <laughs> And that was that was pretty much our introduction. I was like, but they offered it to me and I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> that sounds that that summarizes me completely, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, good on her, she's going for the port. Yeah, she's gone in there, she's gone hard. I didn't yeah. realise we could do that. And then I had to rush off and get a train home because the trains are ridiculous on the way back to the north. So that was our introduction. Yeah. For people that don't know you, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do on Instagram. Okay, so on Instagram, basically I just share everything. Everything. I would say that I have a niche or that I, I follow particular rules, but I don't. It's basically everything and anything that happens in daily life because life is everything and anything. As a general rule, I have three boys. I do also have two stepsons. I was divorced, then in a long-term relationship, and now I'm single again. So I cover all realms of life after divorce, co-parenting, step-parenting, parenting boys. Oh my goodness, I really need to get this down into one sentence next time somebody asks. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one of the things I love about you, though, because you cover it all, and you're so right that life is not just one thing. It's so broad, and it you know, I, I admire people that can stick into niches and things, but that's never worked for me either. It's kind of, okay, today I've got this because I'm cooking and then tomorrow I've got this because this is happening. They throw you curveballs, those kids, don't they? They will throw yeah. you a curve. Yeah. <laughs> they they <laughs> just are curveballs. Yeah, they're all about the curveball. You think that you've got something down and then all of a sudden, boom, there's something else to talk about. So I love that about your channel and the things that you do, that you cover everything. And I find it really relatable, to be honest. It's mum life isn't it in its in its totality yeah at the same time I mean I do have a general thread of you know, people always say you know you're always so positive I don't mean to be annoyingly irritatingly perky that's far from what I am and it's laced with hopefully a good amount of sarcasm but generally I, I find if I'm not going to laugh at it then I'm going to cry so laughing's definitely the better option for my mascara <laughs> so the overarching theme is positivity and basically nothing is insurmountable yeah I think that's true and never more so than now I mean mm. I don't know about you but more so than ever I've found it really difficult to be positive and especially throughout this lockdown in particular I know last lockdown I was like right okay I'm gonna do this and I'm in gear with this and I can do that and this time I've just been like no thank you <laughs> <laughs> so over this now Mm-mm, no no thank you not for me I'll pass on this one and I've just found it really hard I don't know how have you found coping with parenting through lockdown because you your separation happened through lockdown didn't it yeah it would be really easy to blame lockdown and a pandemic that would probably be the easiest escape route on that one but again the reality is it was a million and one little things that led to it that maybe like for lots of people lockdown and the pandemic highlighted quicker and in a more 
harsh light that led to our separation. But for every single lockdown there's been, I've almost been in a different situation. I know for lots of people, every lockdown's been in the same house with the same people and very much the same. So the first lockdown, we were all stuck in one house. And after about a month or so, it was all too much. I've got a neurodiverse teenager. He was finding it really, really difficult. So after a month or so, myself and my three boys, we moved in with my mum. So that was kind of a trial, our first trial separation um, with, with my partner. So that was our first lockdown, the, the nice warm one. Then over the summer, when we'd kind of worked it out, worked out, we did want to really try as a family. And so for the second lockdown, we were all back together again. And obviously it didn't feel so long, that second lockdown, did it? I, I've lost count of how long they were. And then, as you said, for, for the third lockdown, we were separating. It, it wasn't, although, um, social media can sometimes look as those things happen instantly behind the scenes it had been talked about over a course of a few months but then for this third lockdown we've got a new house we've separated the boys are settling in so I'd like to be able to say that sort of you know I'm, I'm bored of lockdown but every single one has had its new and different challenges so yep. again with the annoying positivity each and every one has been interesting not exactly. something I necessarily want to repeat no no not that kind of interesting <laughs> no but- testing in and of itself yeah there's been like a project or something to work on even if it is the crappiest of projects even if it's you know our relationships or my neurodiverse teenager whatever it is there's been something to focus on yeah it definitely sounds like you have had a roller coaster of lockdown (laughs) for certain how are your kids finding now adapting to that separation in what is quite weird times it's already a weird enough time as it is and then throw separation into the mix how are they coping with it and how are you helping them cope with it? I think for the bigger boys, so the teenagers, they are 13 and 14. We were a single family unit for a few years when they were little. That was almost what they knew. That was their comfort zone. And as much as they loved living in a busy household with five boys with Russ, who is they see as their stepdad, although they loved that, there is almost a sense of comfort in going back to our original unit. You know, and as harsh as it may seem, and it's no reflection on, on my ex, it's getting their mum back to themselves. Yeah. And they really do appreciate that. Casper, who's little, who I share with Russ, he's a great ball of flexibility and fun. So at the moment, it's, you know, he, he has his moments. I'm not going to pretend he doesn't have his moments where he's crying and I want daddy or I want mummy or... You know, and he plays us up against each other, obviously. Oh, <laughs> so there's all those. But at the moment, we split everything half and half. We're working together. So, yeah, it's all going as well as it could do. I think that's it, isn't it? And it's the fact that you both managed to come together and say, OK, this has happened. It's not been, as you say, on social media. It looks very much like, oh, OK, they've, they've split and that's it. It's not like that at all. And it's really deceptive. It's been a really long process for the pair of you. But you somehow managed to come together and say, OK, let's do this differently together while we're apart. <laughs> yeah, it, it's exactly that. And I know the people looking in from the outside, especially on Instagram, I sometimes get messages saying, well, are you split from him? Or aren't you? Is this forever? I hate to break it, you guys. We don't know. Quite often, I think it's easy to think that social media is a bit of a soap opera, that it's scripted. But the reality is there are real people behind accounts, real feelings. And I I know it's so annoying to say, oh, we're taking everything day by day. But (laughs) it's true. It is true. Yeah. 
is. It's mad how true that's become, especially in these COVID times. It's become everything is day by day. You know, things change so fast, even down to like the homeschooling side of things. All of a sudden, we weren't and we were sending all the kids back. And then for, from my perspective, I have three that are at primary school. I know yours are a bit older and maybe weren't going back anyway. But all three of mine were all of a sudden told 12 hours beforehand, actually, no, you're not back at school tomorrow. To wrap our minds around it was mad. I don't know how you've found homeschooling and that kind of thing. You've got so many different levels. You're smiling at me. Oh God! First lockdown. I can still remember it really beautifully. That first day, I'd coloured in a timetable and I'd put it on the fridge. And you know, <laughs> nine o'clock, we went for our bike ride, and then we came back for quiet time and snack. I can still remember it now. I'm just reminiscing. It was so beautiful. My coloured in timetable that got ditched around two seventeen p.m. that very first day <laughs> when I suggested that everyone should go for a read, go find a quiet spot and have a read. Who the hell was? I kidding <laughs> had I not lived with my own children for the last like 14 years did I suddenly think that in a pandemic they were going to be nice <laughs> so that was first lockdown I had high expectations which you know over the period of I don't even remember how long it was it was all the way until the summer holidays I think it gradually got dashed you know the sun came out I think even schools at that point there wasn't this whole calling home to see where you were at registration I think everyone was just you know treading water and I think that was accepted very much so so the first lockdown great hopes yet yeah, no one learned anything last year between you know March 28th whatever it was until September then gosh why do, why do I have a blackout when it comes to that last lockdown in autumn it was a weird one I think it contains half term the capacity thing of going absolutely not refuse to remember this time that'll be what it is yeah <laughs> but this lockdown um, and I almost feel like I'm almost cheating a bit so Casper is very much homeschooling with me and Russ and he's five he's pliable you can bribe him with Percy pigs it's cheap bribery it's quite easy we're doing the basics we're doing reading phonics and that's phonics. Oh, God, yeah. phonics. phonics with Rosie why are they there I don't know I, I can't I hate them hate them with a passion and Edith hates them as well and she sits there and looks at me and she's like I don't like this I'm like me neither babe I don't know what to tell you like I can't lie to you I, I'm finding it hard this time because last time I had the timetable as well but I did it really loosely and it actually worked quite well for us because I need structure and with them all being so little and not having anything coming in from school particularly in those especially for the first what was it two months there was just yeah nothing no. and then all of a sudden school started to say well we want you to focus on maybe this topic but you know get done get done what you can that's yeah. get done what you can it was quite like, a less oh. affair kind of approach first time around yeah I mean nobody knew what they were doing so I found it easier then because we were doing lots of things where we would go and we'd baby like use baking cookies for our maths thing or something and they're little you can't do that with teenagers they're just going to look at you and go absolutely not yeah. unless it's xbox related then <laughs> no no it's just not happening does that count as computer skills, though? Because I would say it does. Definitely. I am going to bag that one because <laughs> my kids must be geniuses by now in that, in that department. <laughs> if they don't get an A in computer science, oh, no, they're not even A's anymore, are they? Whatever, 10. A 10 in computer are science. Are they not A's? No. Oh, they faffed they around with that system a few years ago. Just confuse everyone. And now what we do when the GCSE results come through is we get the numbers and we just look at what they like relate to in letters. Oh, no. So we might as well all just use the letters because we're using the table to convert them back to the letters we all understand. Yeah, I didn't know this. I'll be honest, that terrifies me. I swear they change things, just mess with us. 
They have to. They never make it better. Like, they just make sure you're paying attention. It's because maths. It's a, why are there so many ways to make a sum? And it's not a sum anymore, it's a number <laughs> sentence. <laughs> and then just when you've got your number sentence down, let's do a part whole model. It's like, yeah. but that doesn't have a symbol in it, so how do I know what's happening? And then when you've done that, let's throw in a 10 grid, because that'll be a laugh, getting a kid to count that really slowly on a computer screen. You know? <laughs> so it's all right, we only want snack time at 10.30, I just want my cup of tea, but we're still counting on the 10 grid up to 50. Yeah, exactly. It's so difficult, especially when you're doing different ages as well. I don't know if you've found that your older boys can kind of just get on with it. But for me, I've got three different age groups, two of which can't really read that well. Toby's actually quite advanced with his reading. He's doing really well with it, but he doesn't want to. So therein lies the problem. But Ruben's doing great. He can do most of his stuff a bit more solo. But the other two are like, mummy, uh, mummy. Mummy. And I'm like, please, please just don't say my name, please. <laughs> Anything other than mummy. Yeah. With the old boys, I said, it does feel like I'm cheating a bit, especially this time round, because Hugo, my neurodiverse teenager who is 14, to give it some perspective, he's got a working diagnosis of autism with a side dish of PDA, which is demand avoidance. Oh. So anyone that doesn't know what that is basically he has an anxiety driven need to control and any demands as big or as small as they are whether it's brush your teeth put your shoes on let alone sit down and do this piece of work he will become overwhelmed and his brain is programmed to do everything to get out of that demand if that involves punching a wall swearing loudly all the things that society says Mm, that's not very nice. He will go down that route because that's generally the most effective route to get someone to back away. So trying to teach him in a pandemic when he was processing all of the outside information anyway, it was just a no-no. So after lots of months of not learning, going back to school, trying to deal with that, they have found him a place at an alternative provision that he goes to at the moment, which is just amazing. So for anyone that doesn't know, an alternative provision is kind of a bit of a last hope for kids that are in mainstream school. Going kind of reset their buttons. So that's where he is at the moment. So luckily he's getting a routine and he is somewhere until at least Easter holidays. That's so good. It's really good. The best thing is it gets him out of my hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. So I feel like I'm cheating on that sense. I don't have him around because he can take up a lot of time just to get him out of bed, fed and yeah. moving, let alone... Do you fancy doing some schoolwork? <laughs> that's going to be a no. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a big fat no with swears and like outrage with it. Then I've got obviously the 13-year-old Bruno, who just basically was following his brother's lead. Well, he's not doing it, so why do I have to do it? Oh my goodness, yes, we've got that. All Even at our age range of nine and eight, they'll look and they'll be like, well, there's a year between us. What do you want from me? If he doesn't have to do it, I don't have to do it. And I'm like, but you're in different classes, please. <laughs> yeah, so not only that they're a year apart as well, 13 months, they're in different years. And obviously Hugo has a whole heap of additional needs. Yeah. Bruno doesn't care. He's not taking that into account. He's just trying to work this to his advantage. So luckily for us, their secondary school have offered him a supported learning place in school. Basically, it's a way of saying, you did nothing for 2020. We need to get you on track. But it's been really good in that he only goes in three days a week. But at least now he's been shown the expectations of what is expected from working at home. Before now, if I said you're supposed to be online between like nine and three, he'd laugh at me and think no one else in the whole world was doing that think that I was lying so at least going in for his supported learning he's seen oh actually I get it now he now knows how to log into all of those things he now knows what he's supposed to be doing when he's supposed to be doing it so he goes in three days a week and on the other two days he actually does the work that's really 
good it's on him then isn't it not so much on you because yes. it feels like at the minute everything is on us as parents yeah. you know and again I'm dealing with smaller children in some instances they are capable of doing the things that they've been given but they're saying well can't you do it with me or can't mm-hmm. and I, I know that children have been regressing quite a lot I found it with my own kids they've been regressing throughout lockdown and things like wanting snuggles at bedtime when Edith would go to sleep fine before we've had that kind of thing and mummy can you get me a drink as opposed to just going and getting it themselves just very small things that as you said before they all end up amounting to bigger things and it feels like it's very much on us so to give him that independence I suppose that's good for his mental health as well yeah and it just means that our relationship has got better because otherwise I was the bad guy I was the monster I was fed up of being that person I didn't want to nag and you know shout and argue over I don't know a geography project that really doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things (laughs) sorry whoever is geography teacher Um, But yeah, it's relieved our relationship and meant I can be his mum again. I can parent him through that. The same with Hugo. I don't have to be their teacher now. And because that was never a role I was meant to be. And being a teenager's teacher (laughs) is not something I ever wanted to be. Well done to all the secondary school teachers out there. So yes, I can be their mum again. And that's mattered most because especially going through everything that we've been through. And I can't minimise it. But at the same time, I know lots of people have been through more. But with moving house, separations and all those things, they can't be played down. Even though boys in particular, I think, won't necessarily show it. As you say, they'll show it in the little ways. They'll regress. Casper might use a baby voice um, to try and, you know, just get back to that space. So I can't take away from that. And being the parent, again, puts everything slightly back on an even keel yeah I think as you say that's one of the things that I've found the hardest is that I don't feel like I've had the opportunity to be mum as much Mm. and then come the weekend I'm completely burnt out and I I don't almost don't want to be and then I feel so guilty and I don't feel like I've had the opportunity to just be me or to be a wife or to do all of the normal things if you like that are in everyday relationships forget sort of going out shopping or going to the zoo or any of those things that yeah okay we've missed it's actually just being able to fit into those roles that you're comfortable with I don't know what you found to be the hardest thing but that's been for me one of them maybe obviously I found being a wife girlfriend um, <laughs> partner, partner the most difficult so well, I called it a day on that <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of it kind of was we both looked at it as the adults we looked at our situation and worked out well I was being teacher or trying my best at the time teacher mum working full-time housekeeper all of these roles and partner was just one too many you know I've only got a certain amount of energy in a day and unfortunately for Russ as the other adult he came last down that very long list so yeah for me obviously being someone's partner was just one step too far so removed that from the equation and again I mean I do think I'm very very lucky in that I co-parent Casper with Russell so I have three days in my week where I can focus on the teenagers who anyone else that's got teenagers will know don't actually see them that much (laughs) or at least mine so there's a bit of space there to catch up with work I say be myself and do stuff myself I don't I catch up on other things but I've, I've got that bit of space and that feels really really like a luxury which I know lots of people don't have and I don't want to be a smug moo about it <laughs> I don't want to be a smug 
of me. I, I honestly, I get that. I think one thing that I've found, and you've done it several times there in our chat, is compare your situation to others and sort of downplay it a bit and be like, oh, you know, others have got it worse. And we know they have on a logical level. You know that there's always going to be somebody who's worse off. I don't think it minimizes what we're going through. You kind of yeah. sit back and go, oh, but others have got this worse. And then where do you go from there? You know, you keep telling yourself that it's not that bad, then you compound it, I think. And it, it feels like you've not given yourself the value that you should have done, I guess. Yeah, I find at least acknowledging, even if I don't necessarily, I don't know, I, I definitely don't like to harp on kind of to too many other people about like oh everything we've been through but I do whether it's privately or you know with Russ or maybe with my mum I acknowledge everything that's happened that's for sure I certainly am never going to sweep it under the carpet you know too many years of therapy taught me the backlash of that so I acknowledge it I acknowledge the fact that we've separated it's hard this is how it's probably going to affect the children look out for it and then move on I think that's really key isn't it it's the moving on and do you and Russ have a better I suppose it's more like a working relationship now as parents now that you're apart yeah definitely I always found that when I live with gosh I'm gonna sound so hateful (laughs) when I live with a man my partner I mean I've only really lived with the father of my children so this is where it really stems from I get so resentful of them I get so resentful of the fact they do anything if they move if they sit down for more than two minutes when I'm cooking dinner I want to literally like stab them with daggers from my eyes it's not healthy it's really not whereas living separately as you say it's more of a working relationship we do very much still love each other and like each other but it's more logistical it's practical it's right I'm working until three today so then I can pick him up from here or would it work best if I picked him up from you it's nicer it's pleasant it's not snappy and just kind of point scoring do you know I think that's relationships Mm-hmm. especially throughout the pandemic it almost feels like there is that bubbling resentment with each other and I think Adam and I worked really well as a team last time and that was great but still you could see sometimes each of us looking at each other and being like well why are you doing that can we just not and yeah. getting snippier with each other and it's when you need to know to draw the line of when that becomes too much mm-hmm. and it's not working for any of you anymore as to when that's just normal as a part of a relationship and you maybe need to just take each other off I think what we found was when lockdown opened up a bit when we could go off and just be Adam and Harriet together that made such a difference and then you start to think oh god I don't want to blame you know it's not the kids fault (laughs) but it is just the pressures of everything and as you say that extra role just becomes one too many and I suppose it's reminding each other isn't it of that degree of separation that you've got now is working well for you as a family if that's what works then that's what works isn't it I've had so many messages and conversations with people on online that I think particularly with blended families I've noticed that the message is more that they've tried to blend they've lived together it's not that they don't all like each other it's just that being in one house is just too much yeah and it's not just a physical space thing it's a mental and emotional space and a blended family coming from so many different other places with other parents other people's baggage emotions coming together different rules different boundaries different ways of parenting so many variants in one house it's a pressure cooker and so I've spoken with so many other blended families that have gone down this route that it's not that they're completely separated end of done deal it's just that for the time being separate houses and separate lives to a certain degree is what is needed it's not to say it's forever 
it's just for now. It's a really mature way of looking at a problem and solving it to work yeah. for everybody, isn't it? And I, I love that. Something I've always admired about you and your blog posts is your honesty around being a stepmom. So in the way that you are now, how are you finding that that's affecting your relationship with your stepchildren? Do you have one with them at the minute or have you kind of stepped back? How's that going? It's an odd one because since I started the blog or, or since we even got together, Noah and Marley, who are my two stepsons, they started out at 10 and 11. But like children do, they grew up. Noah's nearly 19. He works pretty much full time. Marley is nearly 17. He's at, well, at college in his bedroom, technically. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but they've turned into young men. They're near, well, Noah is an adult, so they're not so much children anymore. So you know, I occasionally get messages saying, oh, where are Noah and Marley? They're adults. They're they do their own thing. Yeah, you know, Noah's learning to drive. They're going off and about. They're not kids anymore. So we have a really, really fond relationship of each other. I obviously love them incredibly, but like it will be with my own children, it morphs from being a really mothering role when they're children, when they were with me. They obviously have a mother that that is, you know, great with them. But then they're now adults. I can now become more of that friend that is in a trusted role that they know will be there. I'll admit it's a much easier relationship to have because step parenting is not the parenting that anyone ever wanted to do. No one ever sets out as a kid when they've got their daydreams of, you know, whether it's white dresses or, you know, getting married and having 2.4s. No one ever says, I can't wait to take on someone else's kids and all of that emotional baggage and train wreck that's happened before. That just sounds like so much fun. I love that you say that though, because so many people are afraid of actually just coming out with it. And it's true. Who sits there and goes, do you know what I'm looking for in a partner? <laughs> someone with kids who yeah. won't like me and will <laughs> make my life really difficult. That's where I'm going for. Yes. Nobody does it. It's almost taboo to say, do you know what, actually, this is really hard. It's not where I saw myself being. Um, and I don't like it very much half yeah, the time. I, th I think it's really important that people notice it's the same with parenting, that just because you don't like step parenting doesn't mean you don't like the children. I found step mothering, I hated it. I found it really difficult, really hard. That was no reflection on my stepsons. And I think that's where people have got to understand there's a difference. In yeah. the same way with parenting, you can find parenting really, really hard. It doesn't mean you don't love your child. So that's the difference I've tried to really make. Not everyone understands that. Everyone immediately hears, oh, she, she doesn't like being a stepmom and immediately thinks, oh, you know, wicked stepmother. She must be horrible, <laughs> maleficent over there. Yeah, there is there's, there's that stereotype, isn't there? I mean, I had a really bad relationship with my own stepmom. I didn't have a good relationship with her at all, to the point where she would just be referred to by myself as my dad's second wife. Uh, <laughs> horrible. Oh, I mean, admittedly, she was also horrible. Uh, okay. She was a particularly nice person, but I don't think I ever did anything to make it easier for her. But you clashed completely. And I think in those initial days, it was her trying and thinking, right, okay, this is the situation. I'm and I have to, you know, pull up my britches here and me just going, <clears throat> pour my drink, <laughs> you don't like me, let's see how this goes. And we just, we didn't get on at all. And it, it caused real damage with my relationship with my dad, with my relationship with her. And it was really difficult. And I think, again, it has to come from both sides as well. You have to be trying. But at the same time, if you're faced with a child that really does not like you, full stop, and will not accept you, and has got a mother who is also making it difficult for mm. that child to accept accept you then I think for your own mental health it's got to be okay to turn around and go hmm do you know what actually <laughs> I'm not enjoying this and that's 
okay and to have other people who will acknowledge that you're not this evil stepmother but this is hard and it's okay not to be doing it well and not enjoying it and getting on yeah. with it yeah I mean quite uh I say quite early on I mean I, I persevered <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> but you know I, I persevered with the like Susie homemaker for a good two three years sort of insisting that you know family meals when all the boys were over we'd all eat the same thing and all those kind of things and after a while I Russ and I just decided both with him with my boys and me with his boys because you know there were two step parents going on there were two dynamics we decided it was best for everyone not just us as people parents but also the kids that we very much parented our own children yeah so I'm not saying this works for everyone and I know some people might find it weird because they feel like you know if you're going to blend a family blend it but for us parenting our own children even cooking their own meals especially for his two boys that were coming from their mums not so often they weren't with us all the time that kind of thing one of the points and it, it wasn't out of malice you know I just didn't make spaghetti bolognese like their mum or I didn't have the particular brand of beans that they wanted on the jacket potato you know, it, it just wasn't home that's all yeah. it is it wasn't that they were being nasty it was just I wasn't mum and although it was their one of their homes and we always made it such it wasn't you know where what they were used to so it just got to the point of you cook Noah and Marley's dinners that's fine so you know Russell had a very small repertoire that luckily would just about cover <laughs> the days that they would be over and I'd cook for my boys similarly with kind of you know discipline all those things and that's how we got through step parenting yeah I love that again it's that looking at your own family and going what works here for us forget the norm forget the expectation what's going to work for us and I think that's crucial isn't it because no family whether they're blended or not is ever the same ever and I think if that works for you then that's what works for you going back to lockdown wise have you found anything that has been really positive about the whole experience <laughs> <laughs> found anything at all that stood out to you and gone do you know what actually that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for this and it's a good thing I mentioned it in a post actually the other day that it's stopped the rat run it stopped the rush and I've got to actually see my children and, yeah. and I don't mean like physically see them around because trust me they're always around somewhere <laughs> I, <laughs> I see them when my eyes are shut <laughs> but I mean actually see them for the people they are you know, see them in all sorts of scenarios and without so much outside input see their personalities what makes them tick how many snacks they can consume in a 24-hour period <laughs> that's blown my mind yeah and especially I guess more so with Hugo my neurodiverse team because when we're on the rat run it's easy to lose him amongst all the chaos sometimes he will quite happily shut himself in his room but yeah so really getting to see the kids and try to create more of a life that helps them flourish oh god that sounds so cheesy I get it I guess it does sound yeah. cheesy to say get lost amongst life but you can and mm -hmm. you know we're all individuals even if they're at that young age they're still individuals they're going to have quirks they're going to have things that you maybe miss because everything's so fast-paced I think modern society is incredibly fast-paced so much more so than it's ever been we've got everything at our fingertips and to suddenly have nothing and everything just hit the pause button especially in the first lockdown when it really really was everything even down to like dentists and things Adam needed some mm -hmm. dental treatment at one point and he couldn't get anything he couldn't go anywhere mm -hmm. he ended up having to wait I think it was five days just everything stopped everything and I think that 
pause that hitting the button really casts a highlight onto who you are as a person but also who your kids are as people not just as your kids but as people in their own right yeah I get that I completely get that and especially with boys I mean they're so competitive my older two they're quite high achievers in sports and football and all those kind of things so constantly striving for the best like all about achievement and the next goal and getting the Chelsea Academy trial there was constantly some sort of achievement they were aiming at that's all been stripped back there's none of that no one can get that Chelsea Academy trial at the moment it's all been taken away and so what you're left with is focusing on what actually makes them a whole person and makes them happy because I don't think the Chelsea Academy trials it certainly didn't make Bruno very happy it made him quite sick (laughs) and so all of these achievements that they were striving for in this constant competition, it's been taken away and I don't think it's a bad thing. It doesn't sound like it's a bad thing. It doesn't sound like it's a bad thing at all when you put it like that. Just taking it away and allowing them to be themselves. Yeah. So with everything that you've been through, absolutely all of it, all of your combined experiences through this, Gosh. have you got any tips for anyone who is going through similar or who is looking at their partner and going, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if someone's in a similar situation with regard their partner and looking at them and just thinking oh I hate you but but at the same time you still love them I'd always try and talk it through before the resentment boils over obviously because you can come to some sort of really workable solution before you hate each other I've done it both ways I've got to the point where I hated someone my first husband and got divorced and it was just toxic and nasty and it didn't you know it hasn't ended well and the boys don't see their dad or Russ and I both we'd been in that situation with our previous marriages with our first marriages we knew better we learned from that experience and so if I could pass on that experience to anyone and just say cut your losses before it gets to the point where you hate each other don't let it bubble don't let it boil yeah talk it if you can and if it, you both agree that it's just not working then find something that does and if that means apart then that means apart yeah. I think that's really sound advice because I'm a child whose parents let it get to that point and it, it was horrible from a child's perspective you know they really didn't like each other <laughs> They were not fans. They hated each other with fiery passion. And I think probably because they still loved each other in a way, but could never really express it. Mm. And I think that made it harder for both of them. And there was lots of things that happened around their own divorce that I think from a child's perspective, being able to have parents that have done what you and Russ have done and said, okay, look, this is not working. This is where we think we're going wrong. How about we try this and we try this and we find something that works for us. I think that's a huge tip that hopefully if people listen yeah it's it's difficult putting it into practice isn't it it is it's so much more difficult than I think anybody can actually imagine you know we all get to that point in our relationship where things are on that dip I think I'm a true believer that relationships are real roller coasters you have the highest of highs but you're also going to have those lows where you're looking and thinking this is hard this is not as fun as I expected this is not what it was two or three years ago and it's working through it together in a way that works for you that I think makes all the difference so I think that's a good tip (laughs) I think that's a good tip whenever I finish a podcast relating to my book which is full of lots of mum hacks and mum tips and just things that generally make your life easier what would your one mum hack be and I am talking anything from how to get the dirt off football boots because if you've got any knowledge on that I would be very grateful mine is Percy Pigs and bribery that's it that's all I got I think to say that I'd have a hack would mean that I have some in some way outsmarted the 
kids. And to be honest, I'm outnumbered and I'm outsmarted. Um, <laughs> I haven't hacked my way to anything in 14 years of parenthood other than bribery and Percy Pigs. I think bribery and Percy Pigs sounds like a really good hack, to be honest. <laughs> that, to me, sounds like the ultimate hack. Ours for doing phonics earlier was some biscuits that we'd made yesterday. She had about five and I've got in the back of my mind the dentist looking at me going, <laughs> uh, we did talk about snacks. <laughs> and I know, now I shouldn't have done it, but it's the only way to survive. So I think bribery is the ultimate mum hack, and Thanks. I'm happy to, to go with that. <laughs> That's all I've got for you. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. If you do want to find Jess, it's what is it, Jess? The only girl in the house. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Harriet.